0: the podcast from n Each week, we'll explore the world of cloud cost management, the latest in AWS optimization, and getting practical about your FinOps journey. Join us as we dive deep into the latest trends, tools, and best practices while having conversations with leaders and luminaries who are innovating on the front lines. Our goal is to provide value to the community through insights and practical advice that will help you to achieve your FinOps goals. So whether you're in engineering, leadership, finance, or a cloud professional, this is the place for you. Sit back, relax, and get ready to join the conversation on NCAST. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for another episode of NCAST. We've got a great guest here today, and so I'm excited to to get into to some topics today about automated governance in in the FinOps process. And so today I've got Savannah Jensen. Savannah is a senior FinOps success manager on the AWS Optics team. That's a mouthful of a title. So Savannah, maybe you can introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about your position and and what is the Optics team at at AWS?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, James. It's a a pleasure to be here um, and to be talking about all things FinOps with you today. Um, As you mentioned, we've got a lot of acronyms going on here. Uh, You can even abbreviate FinOps Success Manager to FSM if you want to make it even more complicated. Um, But the Optics team deals with basically anything related to FinOps or Cloud Financial Management. Um, for some of AWS's largest and most strategic customers. Um, Optics itself stands for optimization intelligence for cloud systems. Um, and as a FinOps success manager, the sound bot I usually use is if it has a dollar sign on it and you're having trouble with it, send it my way. I might not be able to be the person who f- fixes it end to end, but I can definitely get you pointed in the right direction. Um, and I can help you think about of how to manage your cloud costs on aws and how to build your organizational strategy around healthy cost management as well so basically we deal with money it is the short short version
0: hey money and optimization two of my favorite uh two of my favorite topics so so we're gonna have a great conversation here today um automated governance so i like the ring of, of automating any sort of, of process. And I, I think that that it's a big part of, of the FinOps journey. First of all, we we started to to get a little bit of a rein around getting visibility of, about mm-hmm. what's going on in in our environment. But I think a lot of organizations are, are going to struggle with where to get started because it, it it feels like like the bar is pretty high and and maybe you can help us to, to believe that it's a little bit more approachable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say in general, every organization is different, right? Every organization has a unique product and a unique outlook on the world. So it's hard to give you one single magic bullet and be super prescriptive. But in general, the less amount of people time that you can dedicate to managing and governing your cloud costs and the more kind of automation and checks and balances that you can bake into the system, the easier it's going to be and the better the time you're going to have, essentially. So we've got a number of tools on the AWS side that can kind of help that along, right? And take some of the concern and the stress and time effort out of analyzing your cloud costs. Before we get into those, though, I think the real big thing that a lot of you kind know, of anything really is predicated on is the amount of kind of cost allocation and cost visibility that you have. And you mentioned that a little bit. Uh, but if you don't understand where your costs are coming from or you haven't you know, developed those visibility solutions yet and you don't have a way to investigate them or see them or check in on them, it's really hard to implement any of those kind of management pieces um, simply because if you get an automated notification that says, hey, this account, spend one up, and you don't know who owns that account or how to even go look at that spend, it's going to be really hard for you to go investigate that. Um, so... Really, that visibility piece is the solid foundation on which you have to kind of build everything else um, and build you kind know, of the cost culture of your organization around.
0: So. Right. Well, the FinOps journey strikes again. I mean, visibility is where that that journey begins. Um, I find that that while account partitioning it is is really an easy way to to get started with with sort of partitioning your, your spend it oftentimes becomes much more complex that that than just partitioning by accounts um you know that there are are certain things that the teams can act upon um when, when it comes to, to things like compute spend or database spend actually a, a number of services reservations and commitments come into play with, which are often uh centrally managed and and, and then of course we we know that, that the way that those things apply and and rolling those out it with, to to teams so that they have an amortized view of, of what they're actually spending all of that can can be uh really complicated so what, what tools would would you say that 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 customers could could start with um and and then might lead into to to the the first concept of maybe maybe automated reporting
1: yeah absolutely so i mean you hit the nail on the head right it can be as complicated as you want to make it and every organization is going to have a little bit of a different spin on what needs to happen um but i would say in general socializing kind of the difference between a consumption-based model um, and like an amortized view is going to be key, especially if you have those reservations to help folks understand what they're looking at. Because if you are centrally managing your reservations, um, that recurring fee or that upfront payment is going to hit the account that they live in, not necessarily the linked accounts that are actually spinning up those EC2 resources and using those things day in and day out, right? So figuring out a way to expose that kind of effective rate um, to your end users and show them an an accurate representation of what they're actually consuming with any of those kind of reservation-based models layered on top of it is going to be critical. Um, We do have some resources to help do that within the well-architected labs. I know there are a good amount of webinars um, that are available, some reinvent recaps as well, around how customers have set themselves up for success there or kind of how they've decided to think about that in their organization, what philosophy they've developed. Um, But picking a variety that you want to show, right, is critical there. And then kind of building some sort of cost allocation strategy around that philosophy that you've adopted um, is definitely step one. Um, I don't think there's any right way to do it, necessarily i think there's a right way for any single organization to do it but again like just based on your purchasing strategy um, and what workload mix and account mix you have in your organization it can vary pretty widely but in terms of automation um you know once you have that cost visibility strategy established and you've made some of these business decisions about how you want to report out on these things um you can kind of go from there in terms of the tooling Um, The most granular billing artifact that we have is called the cost and usage report, which I think probably most folks who are listening to this would be familiar with at this point. So if you really need that deep level of granularity, that's where you're going to have to look. Um, With that said, it is a large unruly data set with a lot of data in it. So definitely kind of the first step to understanding that application in a very granular way, but not necessarily something that everybody's going to be able to get their arms around. Um, from an AWS perspective, at this point, we've got a very robust set of kind of pre-built dashboards in QuickSight called the cloud intelligence dashboards that we've seen people use in a very like educated way to report on this. Um, those, because they are so customizable, can be really great for kind of distributing those insights to different folks within your organization. Um, and the teams really put a lot of work into making sure that we've got kind of a, a smorgasbord of options that can target each single stakeholder. If you're an executive just looking for a readout, we've got kind of some recommendations there versus kind of the operational folks who have um, kind of a need to get more in the weeds, right? So that's one way to do it. There are a lot of things that you can stack on top of those cloud intelligence dashboards and QuickSight to make sure that you are only viewing like a certain subset of data or making it super custom to whoever is consuming it. Again, those kind of need to be evaluated on a case-by-case basis and you need to know exactly what you're doing there. But that's kind of, I would say, the the most shiny thing that we've got at the moment. Um, In terms of maybe the like 200 level rather than 300 level. If you're looking for something more out of the box, Cost Explorer is a great resource. We've got a lot of really exciting updates to Cost Explorer that launched in reInvent 2023 that people are starting to get excited about and use more. So longer look back period in the cost data, we've got up to 38 months now instead of just 13, which is awesome if you wanna compare year over year. Um, We've got resource level data. Both of those are free features that you can enable uh, through the preferences section which is great. Um, and then I think kind of most most relevant to the automated piece, uh, we do have two pieces of functionality called anomaly detection and budgets, which folks can use to alert on kind of different spend spikes or if your spend crosses a different threshold. Sorry, I know that was a ton of information. <laughs> it,
0: no, it was a ton of information and, and I was just keeping mental notes because it, you hit uh, on so many great points. You know, over here at Nops, what our, our first step is always to to understand what our customers' N-Ops goals are, right? That that that's where the journey begins. Is, is what are you really trying to do? And then we we like to to get into the more automated optimization feature side of things, but you, you have to to attack not just based on impact, but but organizational priority, and and when you have teams that. That that are actually able to to focus and 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 are a priority to to help to achieve those goals. You mentioned that there's not a one size fits all solution, and you know I I have such a variety of customers that that I speak with. I I know one that that does centralized FinOps, where and and this is a a, a rather large. Cloud spend in, in the grand scheme of things, um, pre, pre, pretty pretty sophisticated operation, uh, and and in their organization, they don't want engineers to 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 think about those commitments. In fact, mm-hmm. they they don't want engineers to to know about the commitments at all because they have such a robust set of automation that 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 they have around that, and their planning activities are are so robust that that they only want the 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 end user to to be thinking about on demand rate that they, they do have spot in in the mix and and they they even have have a lane lane for spot. But at the end of the day, they want to to abstract that complexity. You know, in in a lot of organizations, they don't have that that level of sophistication. And so it's very critical that that every team understands what what their their true, unit cost is um it makes me think you know hey there, there's tools that can be adopted and and again enops we, we we do offer cost analysis and, and allocation features for free and i i understand that the the size and the engineering effort that that goes into that um you got into the quick site dashboard <laughs> stuff I've had a chance to to take a look at that and there there are some some very, very powerful tools. Um, what persona do, do you think is like do, does that hit the best? I, I have my ideas, but but I, I I can can think of specific sort of users in in the organization who are gonna love the 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 quick site functionality. Where do you think it hits?
1: Yeah, so it really depends on, I guess, which dashboards folks are deploying out of the gate. But I think it hits kind of that sweet spot between people who are just getting their feet wet with kind of the more cloud side of finance um, and have a little bit of familiarity and want to play around in the console. And people who are maybe coming from the other direction and have a lot of experience in AWS, but aren't necessarily super used to the idea of thinking about like what unit cost means, right? Um, Deploying them is easier than ever. I will say now with the new data exports integration, which was also a reInvent launch. Um, It's a lot closer to one click. You can do it in a linked account. It's straight through the billing and cost management console. Um, But when it really comes to that customization element, uh, that's where I see people get really excited. And I would say arts right. practitioners, obviously, like, if you've been in the space for a long time, I, I know a lot of my managers have this story. I have this story. I've heard, like, a very similar story from a lot of people. But back in, like, 20, 20, 2018, 2019, a lot of people printed out, like, a copy of the car, like, an Excel document printed it just to look at the columns and see what was there and try to get an understanding of, like, what that data looked like uh, without having to scroll through like Excel back and forth for hours and trying to figure it out. Um, So it's really exciting for, I think anybody in the FinOps space to be able to have a way to play with cost and usage report data that isn't um, building pivot tables or kind of redoing your queries and going back and forth and and trying to figure out what's in there, but is instead visual and graphic and gives you kind of that control. Um, So I think the, the folks that I see who get like, extremely stoked about it are the people who maybe have some familiarity with either one side or the other and then deploy this thing and now have a bunch of presets they can play with and realize the power that they have when they can essentially like save as and edit and play around with this data and say okay i actually don't care about the entire like storage tab let's say i don't have any s3 workloads probably wouldn't happen but Let's, let's pretend, right? I can delete all of that. I can make a very custom view that only features everything that I care about. And then it's so easy for me to look at that every day and have it very targeted to what I care about and monitor it day over day or month over month and share it with other people in my organization. So that's a, a big one. Um, I did want to touch on what you said about um, unit cost and kind of helping folks disentangle that level of commitment from the engineering level. Um, Let's I think, get
0: into it. Let's get into it. <laughs>
1: so I think everybody, or like a lot of organizations I've seen do this a little bit differently, but the concept of unit cost and like a, an averaged out rate is something that I've started seeing a little bit more of. Um, we do have a couple ways to calculate like unit costs through that are default in the cloud intelligence dashboards. And I've seen a lot more companies trying to, like, think about what that really means for them um, on a compute level or on a a storage level. Right. But some sort of averaging across the organization, especially if you have like not close to 100 percent coverage and you're not going to get close to 100 percent coverage and you're just trying out a savings plan for the first time and it's kind of floating around, um, making sure that that's consistent and like a good experience for folks month month over month, and they can look at their usage in a way that's a little bit more tied to consumption or running hours rather than your cost fluctuating because you spun up a more expensive instance that's not getting covered is really critical. And in the cost and usage report, we do have some columns that can help with that. And there are kind of a a couple of ways to, to think about amortized costs and averaging that out. But especially if you are in a scenario where you're making a lot of changes to your FinOps strategy and you're implementing a lot of these savings for the first time, I would say that's when it's the most critical. Like if you're already at a place where you're 90% optimized and you're doing great, your month over month fluctuations would be a lot smaller, assuming that you have a fairly consistent workload. But if you're going from the crawl stage of we haven't done any optimization and now we're trying to do a bunch of it at once, you're going to see those fluctuations more. And that could be confusing to the folks who are really hands-on keyboard every day when they get their bill at the end of the month or when they log in.
0: Right, right. And that could be a, a complicated thing to do, but but I see uh, a lot of, of wisdom in that, especially when when you're just getting started out with budgeting and trying to introduce concepts like anomaly de- detection, because you know one version uh, of anomaly is, you know, hey, the uh, I, I guess in, in this world it, it could be well, I saw an unexpected spike in my expense, and, and the actuality is is that that the RI could have just gone elsewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it it really, especially in organizations of scale, it it is sort of well a it's impossible to predict right the, these things are, are, implied, are applied in post when when cost and usage is, is generated and b can can lead to, to false signals so uh, that that's great advice on, on getting started um, now we're we're at at the step where where we we've got pretty good visibility right we we've started to establish some ground rules around budgets now how do we distribute that to to the masses and and give the 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 people at the ends you know hands on on keyboard the devops engineers the the software and infrastructure engineers uh that that are at the end of the day on the hook when 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 something happens how do we give them them the ability to 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 get real-time visibility and and, and total control, not only of unexpected things, but but to 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 be able to to profile expected changes.
1: Mm-hmm. So making sure that they have an avenue for the visibility aspect is definitely key here. Um, make sure that there is some sort of like philosophy throughout your organization, whether it's to use a third party tool, if you have a good robust third party build out, whether it's the QuickSight dashboards, whether it's Cost Explorer, whether it's Billing console, hopefully you're not using billing console, but sometimes people do. Um, Give them some way to see what their costs are and kind of make a recommendation about that. Make sure that they have support about it, especially if they're very new to this. So if you're a FinOps practitioner, setting them up with the right education and the right resources to actually investigate these costs is pretty critical. Um, And then from there, there are a lot of things that you can do within the AWS tooling suite to kind of decentralize this work a little bit. Um, One of the ones that I'm most excited about and I've seen folks have a lot of success with is anomaly detection. Um, So AWS Budgets works off of a threshold that you set. Um, For example, you can say notify me when my bill goes over $80 Um, and it will send you a notification when your bill goes over $80. Very threshold based, configurable, um, but not always the most context aware. Um, Anomaly detection is backed by machine learning and it is there to essentially detect um, patterns that are not what we've seen in the past on a service level, on a linked account level, on a tag level, um, throughout kind of all the bells and whistles and and dials and knobs that you're used to seeing in Cost Explorer. Um, So what you can do is essentially once you've kind of started to be thoughtful about how your accounts are structured and how you're allocating these spend is you can create cost monitors through anomaly detection that will notify you when a certain kind of chunk of your spend reaches that anomalous situation. Um, And we do have a Slack integration for it as well. So instead of sending those notifications to one central FinOps email, um, you can plug them into the Slack hook and instead push those notifications to an engineering chat of a team associated with a project or to a like notification pool somewhere that people look and are actually keying into day to day. This has a couple benefits um, from like a purely and strictly selfish uh, perspective as a FinOps practitioner. The fact that you don't have to kind of do all the work of wading through all those notifications and you're sending it directly to the consumer and directly to the folks who could investigate it is a big time saver. But I think kind of the more interesting benefit, rather, is it helps that cost awareness throughout the organization. And it allows you to kind of let the system alert on this rather than you as a FinOps practitioner being the cops or being someone who's always pinging an engineering team saying, hey, have you taken a look at this? Hey, can you take a look at this? Hey, what's going on here? Um, So it kind of helps folks think about that cost day in and day out, um, and be proactive about investigating their own spend rather than you having to be the trigger for folks, which is helpful, um, especially if you are trying to build that relationship and keep it very sweet and very positive.
0: Sure. Well, you know, I've said a, at least a 100 times on this podcast that that what I often see is that, that FinOps, from a, a DevOps engineer's point of view, and I won't actually say FinOps. Let's let's not put FinOps on the 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 uh, I, on trial here. It <laughs> it's the that uh, the experience of cloud sped control, cost control to the engineer feels like a, a punitive experience. With which means that that somebody gets a bell, somebody gets an alert. Um, that that there has been op x that 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 wasn't planned for or accounted for and and usually you know there there there's two causes to that right like the the scale is real and you know i, I don't know how many times i've been working with customers but but also, also leading my my own engineering teams where that that the component or the the perspective that that was not analyzed as, as part of the 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 capacity planning and load testing was that the cost impact and it could be on some some tricky dimensions like like yeah. network costs are are always a, a thing that that get get you or that they're an unintense unanticipated consequence of something that you're going to do or maybe somebody misconfigured something or, or you have a tool that, that isn't handling auto scaling correctly, or you, you, you've, you've inadvertently, you know, oversized a a huge production cluster. And, and when it scaled up that there was a, a huge expense. So the, the experience from, from the, the engineer's point point of view is, is that that what will always happen is that somebody's gonna come and hit me over the head with a hammer and then we're gonna spend two months trying to 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 make as many adjustments and optimizations as we can. we like to say that that's driving in the, the rear view mirror. Yeah. So with these cost an- anomaly alerts, one problem that that I see is that that some leader or, or, even motivated engineer, um, get gets the idea to to go set the these anomalies up, and they they put them in some public channel, and and after some period of time, no one's quite sure whose responsibility it is to to take action on them, and then like everything else, we we start to to filter them out. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like there's a big cultural component, yeah. That, to 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 actually making sure from from top to bottom that that this is is an organizational priority. It, is that something that that you have to to coach and and evangelize on and, and what can you you recommend to to the listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a snag that we see folks hit. Um and there are a couple of ways to to handle that. I, I would say like the top thing to take away and the top like no no to avoid no matter what is if you are setting up any of these alerts or um, any sort of monitoring system that's going to send people notifications be context aware about your business when you're making the decisions to do it because let's say you are a large retailer and it is almost black friday and you're about to scale everything up for a large traffic spike That is the worst possible time to enable any sort of alerting for the first time because you're going to hit all your thresholds. It's going to be a lot of noise. Everybody's going to be stressed out anyway, and you're going to get all of these kind of pings and and bobs and emails all all the time. It leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth right away. Um, Similarly, like if you're migrating onto the cloud for the first time, maybe scale it back a little bit in terms of the alerting. Keep that to just yourself as a FinOps practitioner or to a a distro, an email inbox that's not directly paying people because if you're not exactly sure what that kind of steps to getting onto the cloud is gonna look like, it's really hard to configure good alerts. Always test it yourself. Take a look at what's coming out of that and make sure that those notifications are actually getting at what you want to get at before you roll it out to the broader organization. Um, Because you want to essentially give people the best data that you can immediately. Because if they have good data that they can take action on and then they see the kind of positive outcomes that come out of taking action on the data that you're providing, they're going to have a better concept of what that tool is they're going to be more positive about it they're going to care more um in a broader sense uh try not to be like the bad cop all the time <laughs> it Is a big mm-hmm. one uh, right. and sometimes that's just phrasing you can you kind know, of present an opportunity as hey i think that this might be something that you can take a look at to save money and that will improve your budget Do you wanna take a look at it together and see if there's an opportunity to make this more efficient? That's a lot better and a lot more positive way to frame something rather than, hey, this is costing a lot of money. What's going on here, right? So it can be simple and recognition when people do something well also always helps. People have a pat on the back. Um, It's always a positive thing to tell them that they're doing well. So keep in mind how it's coming off. when you implement these processes especially if you're
0: doing it for the first time right and and so you know one of the the things that that I often guide and and work with with customers is it is to to set measures of success right and mm-hmm. and you know you can pick a lot of KPIs but but KPIs ha- have to be meaningful so i i always say you know save money it is not uh, the, the, the reason why we're doing this, right. You know, even, even the, the, the FinOps foundational text, um, tells us that, that, that we're doing this to, to get value out of the cloud for, for our organization. And so, um, the, I, I can think of, of a couple of examples, you know, gamification and, and, and also setting meaningful targets. and, and allowing teams to to, to, to sort of self de- determine what, what do I think that 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 I can achieve during during this quarter and and what is going to be the the measure of my success? Set them up, give them the opportunity. so so that that when we we checkpoint, we could say how are we tracking tor- towards our, our overall success? And, and also giving everybody total transparency, into to the the goals of the organization for, from from a, a cloud financial management perspective, but but also building that culture where where everybody is aware of of what what the budget is, what their piece of the pie is, um, how they they can impact, and, and and what the 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 end game is. Um, are are there any recommendations that that you have where where FinOps Organization can, or I mean, or a FinOps practitioner or a finance team can can engage with with engineering teams and, and turn this into to a success criteria rather than than sort of the the opposite, which is I uh, I caught you and and you 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 missed your budget and naughty naughty it, it, naughty naughty right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I mean, there's certainly a lot of different ways to position it. I would say with the KPI tracking specifically, um, start simple and start small until you get some sort of adoption, but don't feel or don't feel like you're stuck with what you started with. Um, and what you may find, depending on, again, your kind of engineering teams and your product skew is there might need to be different KPIs for different products or for different groups. Um, If one team is really excited about modernization and that's a big priority for them, um, maybe they're going to want to track um, how many instances are on the previous generation versus current generation, some sort of graviton migration metric, right? Um, But if there's another team that's less excited about that and really just wants to kind of beef up a different part of their infrastructure or they're focused on lift and shifting onto AWS, that might not be the best metric for them. Um, So keeping that flexibility and really starting those dialogues with each group is important so that you're not just being super prescriptive about that tracking. Once you have some sort of alignment and you start that tracking, if you find out that you're not measuring what you thought you were measuring or it's not really indicating the changes that you expected to see, you can always iterate on it. You can always tweak it. You can always start measuring something else that's a little bit more meaningful, change like what sort of unit cost metric you're looking at, right? right. Um, but make sure that it's topical and make sure that it is actually getting at what you were hoping it was going to get at. And then from there, some of it's kind of culturally culturally dependent, excuse me, or depends on established like business cadences, right? Um, but some sort of recommend or recognition mechanism is mm-hmm. definitely a good one to start with. I think if you have a top engineer of the month or something like that, or you have quarterly launches and we metric on yeah. fix the most bugs, add in some sort of
0: you know, gold star. Incentive.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hey, hey
0: a incentive. bonus is always nice. You know, engineers will never turn down a cash mm-hmm. bonus. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Or need to know. Um, it's also something that I think is like sometimes a career gold star for folks uh, yeah. are looking to grow in their career, improve a certain skill yeah. set, right? If you can say in your like promotion filing that you saved the organization X amount of dollars by optimizing XYZ, like that's a pretty right. compelling reason why they would consider you, know, you as operating at that next level.
0: Um hey, i I think it's a, a huge resume builder, to be honest. you know, i I interview I, and over my career, I just I, I have interviewed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds uh, of engineers and and one of the best ways that the engineers can can demonstrate their their eminence is by by a focus on optimization and efficiency. And so, I know that that you may be very effective at, at writing, you know, Ruby code or Python code or, or Go or or whatever you know the, the language du jour is, but but to come in and to, to, to be able to to talk with depth uh, about the, those times that, that that you've looked at, at efficiency at, at a system level, and, and operationalized efficiency in such a way that that other engineers could could digest and and clearly see KPIs and and set SLOs and SLAs around those. That demonstrates maturity. So I I just want, wanted to really give the gold star to you on 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 that point be, because that that's a a real I I guess a carrot. It, mm-hmm. if you will to to engineers when when you're trying to to get them to understand why should i care about the, the this really boring stuff right Sorry. they're
1: fine it's, they've been running forever they're chilling like no
0: right right, right. it's 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 really not only uh, about you know hey, we've been ha we've had cloud native architectures you know we've done dr exercises and we do security exercises But, but that none of that really is, is the greatest measure, of of engineering efficiency, right? Mm That's, it's it's more of a measure of the, the contract that, that we have with our users that, that we're going to be available and secure and performant and all of those things. And, and maybe that's one of the biggest pitfalls is that, that the cloud makes it very easy for us to, to do that in a data center, uh, centric fashion but but this is a consumption-based world, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like reframing, sometimes the impact of a couple buttons that you click in the console or the command line that you execute is definitely stuff one. If you're moving from an on-prem world, um, my teammate, Steph Gooch, uh, talks about it a lot, kind of the, it's somebody else's money mindset, right? And that right. visibility and that cost allocation to an extent, too, are, again, kind of the foundation of helping folks understand the impact behind some of these decisions. Um, And the more that you can surface it to them in their day-to-day, the more that you can bring it to the forefront, the better, because it is a reminder. But it also kind of ties together with that agility and the excitement and the experimentation of the cloud, um, that this is something to keep in mind as well.
0: Hey, you know, even in the space that that we're in, we deal with optimization from top to bottom. We deal with ingesting, you know, trillions and trillions of rows mm-hmm. of, of cur data and analyzing yep. them every day. I had to have this conversation with my own team the other day. I, I like to to just be totally transparent, where you know we we're, we're doing a, a different. Cost allocation strategy. You know the 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 finance team has asked us to to look at things a little different way. That's a really healthy exercise for for us to to go through as an organization. Mm-hmm. And so my naivety thinking, hey, th- these people are are experts. I I asked my my own team to to go out and and everybody, you know. Make sure that that everything is tagged or, or allocated, and you know we have some really cool tools and and ops that that makes like untaggable or untagged yeah. the things that are not there yet that able to be you know uh, realized if, if you will and 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 allocated to to different showback values. So uh, I I said all right you know everybody's gonna swarm you you take this piece of the pie you take that piece of the pie. I went back and I looked and I was like, team. This is 25% allocated. And so everyone sort of had the mindset that, uh, Hey, I allocated my piece and, and, you know, my colleague allocated their piece. And, and I, you know, and, and then it occurred to me, it, you know, the mindset is not about what should be allocated. The mindset is, is about what's not allocated, right? the, the this exercise is not done. Uh, I can guarantee you, and and I've got a lot of showbacks. Uh, my my CFO has a lot of showbacks, and in every one that that I do, it, that that the game is not done and, until every penny falls in into some bucket. But but it just really struck me that that without a lot of context and just as kind of like a a you know just just a quick exercise, just given those set of instructions, allocate your things mm-hmm. that 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 there was such a huge amount that and and it it was all explainable there there was nothing there's nothing surprising um so so a, a huge amount of it is just mindset it's those
1: gosh dang shared services again isn't it
0: <laughs> it's the shared services it's the the ris it's yep. the hey the marketing team owns that thing this isn't product you know mm-hmm. but like it, it's it's everything that's not on my side of the fence and and i you know it, in my mind well then that should be the the easiest stuff to to put into another bucket right yeah. Like like bucketize what's not yours. And and then let's look what's left, right? I maybe mean, yeah. that's a, a really fun place to, to start. Absolutely. Uh, Besides,
1: um, can I ask oh, you a question about that? Please, Besides yeah. the kind of low amount, maybe of the first pass of allocation that you took. What was your biggest surprise coming out of that exercise?
0: Um, my my biggest surprise is that 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 the team really i mean n- number one it it, it was that the, the team thought that they were done <laughs> yeah and that you know and then the the cfo and i you know we get together and and we do have you know we we have cadences where where we get together and, and talk about uh you know fit ops as an organization and that is one of one of our kpis and, and we have Really cool budget adherence reports and things like that. So, so I really thought that 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 experience would have informed, and mm-hmm. it just to to me, I I think my my biggest surprise is that maybe just in myself that that it didn't occur to me that that I didn't frame the the exercise in in such a way that that they they want you know it, it it was me. It was me. It was not them. I said, oh go tag your stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and and what I should have said it is like, you know, like start with what's not yours and then tag all the rest, right? Like yeah. like get in, like like that's that's the the, the exercise that, that's at hand. So so I, I think that helps me also to to work with, with other people. And and help them to to understand like, gosh, that was an embarrassing meeting with my CFO because the you know the 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 platform lead said we're done. <laughs> we we get out of meeting and it was like, well, you know, not not even this organization with with all the understanding and features that they they have, quite got the exercise right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these are hard problems, right? It's- yeah like that's why we're having these discussions that's why i would say like the FinOps ecosystem has really taken off in the last couple of years because especially at scale like this stuff doesn't have an easy solution always and it certainly doesn't have a universal solution so it does require like a, a good amount of analysis and it needs to be nuanced based on your organization the people that you have and how everybody works too so it's hard um, but it's interesting, and it is not a, an unconquerable
0: mountain for anyone. It is not. It is not, and and I think that that's what what we're here to to evangelize both you and I. So I think that's a, a good opportunity for for you maybe to to take us out. If there is, you know, if I am an engineering leader or just getting started in, in my my finops practice and i'm not seeing you know my my number one problem is traction right mm-hmm. you know where, where do you recommend that that the people look to what resource where where to to get started
1: yeah so i would say make sure that you have the data to back you up Initially, when you're having these conversations. Um, And that goes back to the cost allocation. It goes back to the, the visibility. And sometimes, if you're having these conversations about who's spending what, the data to back you up in that case is here's all of our spend. We don't know who's using what. You try to figure out why it spiked, engineering manager. You can't. Well, we can't either. This is why this makes everything so important to do. So let's kind of come together and figure out a way for you to get better cost visibility, better cost allocation, better tagging governance, etc. cetera, right? Um, so come with data and don't be afraid to iterate or pivot or ask for help. Um, the other one that I think I'm seeing a little bit more of uh, and that's helped folks kind of beat the analysis paralysis is realize that crawl lock run or like the maturity in one area is not necessarily the maturity in every area so right. maybe you feel like you're really not doing well because you have a bunch of unoptimized ebs spend that doesn't necessarily make make it so that everything in your organization is getting like a zero out of 10 grade think about end to end what you're strong at and where you can improve and then essentially like stack rank those priorities so you know what to tackle first
0: maybe workload management right you know yeah. i i mean hey it it if spots it is not a conversation that that you're ready to have. Mm-hmm. some organizations are more ready to spot to to do spot that than they are to to downscale and pause idle resources
1: mm-hmm. but
0: but other organizations hey may, maybe your, your bigger bang is to 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 build a, a tagging strategy and everything that's tagged with QA gets turned off but on, on, you know, up to a very sophisticated schedule. Right. So, so that's a, a great and sage piece of advice. Well, Savannah, I, I know we could go on like this for forever and ever, but, but I think we, we've about come to, to the end of this discussion. And I, I hope that we have the, the opportunity to, to have, more discussions like this and and maybe turn the crank and, and talk about uh more more advanced topics and, and get a little bit more into to the walk and run. Absolutely so I appreciate you joining us. And to everybody out there who who's made it to the bitter end, uh I'm I'm gonna guess that you're about as nerdy about this stuff as we are. So Keep on tuning in. We're we've got a, a series coming up with with folks from from the optics team, and and then some exciting episodes on back to to one of our favorite topics, which is cutting edge Kubernetes optimization. So we're we're going to be all over the place. Um, Savannah, thanks again. Thanks and, so much for having me, James. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let, let's do this again. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to NCAST. We hope you enjoyed the episode. As you can tell, we love to geek out on all things cloud optimization. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, or just shoot us an email at ncast at you'd like to learn more about the continuing innovation over at Nops or about our free FinOps platform where you never pay anything unless you save money, check us out over at www.nops.io. Until next time.